What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Just F It Podcast. I am Angelo. I'm your host. And for episode 30, we are going to be having guest Nancy Gallegos. The really cool thing about this is Nancy is actually a clinical psychiatrist as well as a coach. So the, the, the best part of it is she has literally one foot on one side of the spectrum and another foot on the other side of the spectrum. She can work with extreme cases and kind of more of the um, psychiatric side. And then she could work with more of the overall type of holistic um, clients with the coaching side. What I love about this specific conversation with her is she goes a little bit more into depth of what she likes to call the self-care movement. So whether you are in law enforcement, you're a first responder, you're a nurse, you're a teacher, whatever you, if you are working with people, you need to understand how important it is to take care of yourself. Because like we've said in the past, you can't give what you don't have. So make sure you listen to this episode. Make sure you listen closely because Nancy drops a lot of tangible tips. Like literally, there's going to be a lot of notes by the end of this episode. So make sure you listen closely, rewind, pause, make sure it's safe to take notes and make sure you leave us a review on iTunes because that is what helps us spread this movement. So thank you guys. I appreciate you. Have a great Friday. Enjoy the show. So Nancy, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for taking the time to join us here in the Just F It podcast. Myself and Renata are excited for this episode. Our chat, you know, a week or two ago was awesome. And I wish that that could have been our episode. So this, <laughs> this one definitely, you know, is built up for greatness. But, you know, before we move on, Nancy, why don't you take some time, introduce yourself, tell people about you. Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited about this, um, the topic that we're going to talk about today, because it's really dear to, to my heart. So I'm Nancy Gallegos. I am a, a licensed psychotherapist, uh, more specifically a marriage and family therapist in the state of California. And I was in the mental health field for um, over 16 years. Still am. I'm still licensed. Um, but I'm also um, a coach. So I've done from life coaching, from leadership coaching, um, to also mentoring mental health professionals and helping them kind of leverage their expertise or training into um, coaching as well and doing that. So kind of my journey started, I was in the mental health field. Uh, so I've done therapy, I've done direct client care, I've you know, did supervisory roles and leadership roles. And I loved all that. I'm a believer of mental health, an advocate of it, of therapy. But what I really discovered along my journey as a therapist is I, I really became burned out. I was burned out. And at that moment, I did not know it. I did not know the term um, compassion fatigue. And um, so I went through that myself. And that led me to really um, do a big shift in, in, in my life in the way how I was really taking care of myself. It led me to discover coaching, which at that time I had no idea that coaching existed. I was in my, you know, just in my mental health field role as a psychotherapist. 
And not only that, but it also has left, led me to what I now truly believe has is my true calling and my true passion of helping other helping professionals such as mental health, you know, professionals, social workers, healthcare professionals with this whole thing of compassion fatigue and burnout because it's such a huge, huge, huge thing going on in these fields right now. So that's a little bit about me and my journey and kind of where I'm at right now. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, there's a lot of great nuggets that you just covered in the last few minutes. So I'm like, ah, where do we go from here? But let, let's, let's kind of start off and, and kind of break things down. Yeah. How would you differentiate, you know, what you do um, as a psychiatrist versus coaching? How do you, you know, where's the line between mm -hmm. that? Because as you know, as we, as we covered last time we spoke, there's a lot of coaches who kind of dip into a little yeah. bit more on the clinical side yeah. how do you differ how do you um, differentiate which role or which hat you're wearing and it, are there clear guidelines or clear boundaries that the listeners can implement or take away yes 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 definitely that's a really really great question and that's actually one of the reasons why i was really called to helping therapists do coaching and really helping understand, distinguish those two. Because I'm a believer of both. I truly believe there is a need in this world for both psychotherapy and um, coaching. Because they're two different types of services, which I can go in, in a little bit. But as a psychotherapist or a mental health professional, but specifically I'm going to talk about uh, a psychotherapist or a psychologist that offers the actual therapy um, piece of it. For that, you, you're required to have a graduate degree. So it's not just a bachelor's degree. You need to have a graduate degree, a master's degree. Then you kind of register yourself with your state or your country. If you have listeners uh, out of here, we, you know, we're here in the United States. Um, and then there is like an intern um, phase where you have to collect over 3,000 hours of working with clients, a supervised work. So you have a supervisor um, that's already has is licensed, has been licensed for a while, that really is supervising you and guiding you as you are working with clients for like over 3,000 hours. So that's a couple of years, two to three years at the minimum to do that. Then you have to take a state exam. Um, typically, it tends to be two. It varies from state. Um, pass that, get licensed, and then ongoing renewing, renewing your, your license to continue to, to be able to practice therapy. So as you can see, there's a lot of um, training, there's a lot of um, skill building, a lot of guidance um, as you're working towards um, providing therapy. Uh, versus a coach, um, what happened is, you know, with the coach, honestly, there is no education required per right now, you know, um, in it. And yes, sometimes I get people say, oh, well, can I just wake up today and call myself a coach? Well, yeah, technically you can, but you know, the thing is you, you have to have some skills, some expertise to be able to offer to others. But what I really want to get at is like the type of work and services that we, we do in, as a psychotherapist versus a coach. I think as a therapist, you are really working with clients on, um, for the majority of the time, clients that come to you with presenting symptoms, we call them, or problems um, that fall under um, 
a diagnosis, a mental health illness, for example, like depression, anxiety, trauma. Um, so you're working from a medical model. Um, part of the training that we receive is to work through these clinical models and help really our clients with what they come to us, with the presenting problem that they're coming to us. There is a lot of work, a trauma uh, with a therapy. Um, there's work in looking into the client's the past and helping them right now understand that and processing that to where they're at right now and to where they want to go in a nutshell. So a therapist can do that. Now, as you mentioned to Angelo, yeah, there is some overlap. Like a therapist can do coaching, but a coach cannot do therapy. That's where a big distinguish um, uh, between those two. And coaching in a sense, I mean, there's so many pieces, but just to try to put this as simple as we can, because of the time that we have, um, is coaching is very, think about it as future oriented. It's very future oriented. It's very um, solution focused. It's very goal oriented. And these typically your patients or clients that come to, to coaching, um, it's not that they don't have any, you know, they're not working on any trauma or any mental illness. They really have a goal, a desire. They want to create something in their life, whether it's in their personal life, you know, their health, um, their relationships, um, spirituality. I mean, there's so many things or in their professional life. So you're really helping them with skill building specifically and helping them design the life or the career that they want. Now, the thing is, therapists can also do that. And, and a lot of therapists do that in private practice under the therapy umbrella. So that's where sometimes there get, there's that blurry line between those two. And every state here in the United States, um, like the Board of Licensure, wherever the therapist is licensed under, there's some different rules and regulations that they have to follow um, to ensure that that the clients, at the end of the day, is we want to make sure clients understand the difference between both and do not get confused thinking that they're coming into coaching and they're getting therapy and vice versa. That's really interesting. I like how you made that distinguishing feature between psychotherapy or therapy of some kind versus coaching. Mm -hmm. So previously you also mentioned compassion fatigue. So, does, so first of all, I guess my first question is, what is compassion fatigue and does it affect psychotherapists more than it would affect coaches or it, does, it, does it affect both equally? Perfect, great, great question. So compassion fatigue is, um, it's, it's, a, it's a term created really specifically for helping professionals. And, and actually even, let me step back. No, it, it's even beyond helping professionals. It's anyone really that you are working with another human being you are caring for someone else. Because right now when I speak about compassion fatigue for the most part in burnout, I am referring to professionals because that's who I focus um, and my message is all about. But it also pertains to just individuals that are probably caring for their elder, elderly parents or they're caring for a family member. It's kind of, it's, it's known also the term, the cost of caring. You know, when you have this compassion towards others and you're taking care of them, taking care of, taking care of, oh, excuse me, <laughs> taking care of them and empathy, 
that's when the term compassion fatigue comes out. So it is more common and we use more that term within um, mental health professionals, social workers, nurses, doctors, um, you know, policemen, anybody that really works with other human beings and really compassion and empathy is part of that work that they do with them. And really what it is, is that after, specifically, I'm giving an example as like a mental health professional, so audience can kind of understand. So, you know, as a therapist, you're working with clients, and sometimes there's a lot of work with clients helping them process their trauma, their past trauma, their perhaps abuse, um, depression, suicidal ideation, all this stuff, violence and things that they have gone through, the reason why they have come to, to therapy to help with. And as a therapist, you're sitting there, yes, you didn't experience that trauma, that abuse yourself firsthand, but what happens is as, as we're listening to those stories, over and over and over again. And again, our role is in, as an empathy and compassion, we're putting ourselves in our client's shoes. And we're really trying to understand their point of view, the way they're viewing the world to really help them move, move towards the, uh, that trauma and processing it. So what happens with time, if we're not taking care of ourselves, that tends to start affecting us uh, physically, I think physically, spiritually, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, we start taking all that. So compassion fatigue really comes out. The term is like when you really are physically and emotionally exhausted. You it's, think about it like um like a gas tank. You have all this gas tank and you've been giving, 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 caring, 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 providing so much compassion for your clients, taking care of them, processing that, taking all that in. And it's like that tank starts to kind of go more to the empty, 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 empty until you're completely depleted. And what happens is if we're not taking care of ourselves throughout that work and we're not continuing kind of depositing some of that in our tank as we're working, it gets to the point that we're an empty. And that can look, it, it looks different in everyone. But really what I truly believe is, is it affects us as a whole, as a human being. At the end of the day, you know, yes, we are trained to help these individuals, but we're a human being. We're, we do this work because we love it and it impacts us that way. So compassion fatigue, um, so it tends to look like, again, the physical emotional exhaustion. You can start having some physical symptoms, maybe um, starting to have some migraines, um, digestive sy symptoms, difficulty sleeping, kind of things that are starting to pop up in your life that you didn't have before. And there's no other medical explanation for it um, that tends to, or, or sometimes it gets to the point that you start avoiding your work. You, you're frequently missing work because you're just tapped out. Think about it, you're just emotionally just tapped out and you just can't think of like being able or, or feel like you have more to give. Mm. I love that. There's so, I'm, I'm, I'm like writing down questions. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I have my own personal questions as well as, you know, I'm trying to put it as, you know, the, the perspective of the listener and they're like, oh, you know, how do I know if I have it? And I, I love yeah. that you touched on it, but I guess this is, this is my question for you. Um, how, how much time do you schedule for yourself to, to, 
uh, stay proactive and stay on top of that compassion mm -hmm. fatigue. Like what does your schedule look like? Is that daily practice, a morning ritual, or like maybe you set a certain day aside. And then part two is how important is health, health and nutrition or fitness and nutrition to combating mm. passion fatigue. Oh, I love that question. All right. <laughs> I love it too. I, I can't wait yes, for the yes, answer. I love that you brought that because so, so this is my thing where I really look at with compassion fatigue to truly combating compa um, compassion fatigue and burnout as well too, because they tend to be very similar um, is with um, the self care. So for me, I see self care as uh, you know, I call it my self-care movement. And, and when I say that, really the holistic view of self-care. And I would say that, you know, self-care is more than just going to get in a massage and a facial or, you know, a trip to the nail salon. I mean, hey, I love that and I do that. But I'm talking more about really to truly combat compassion fatigue is doing those daily things um, that are going to help you. And I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, kind of depositing back into your tank on a daily basis. So the first thing I would say is practicing some daily, um, ritual activity, um, on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to take you that long. It can literally be as a five, 10 minutes at the minimum. Cause often I hear, well, thanks see, I'm already have this long, I'm working long hours. I come home. I have to, you know, feed my children or this and this and that there's just no time for me. And yeah, sometimes that, that is true. Time, you know, is it's against us, but um, there's things that you can do on a daily basis. So for example, sometimes I tell, you know, um, you know, therapists or, or these professionals, like look at your schedule too. Even sometimes I hear these, um, these professionals that are seeing clients back to back to back to back to back. Imagine, you know, having six clients back to back and you're hearing six different stories, six different traumas or six different things that are going, you don't have a time to kind of just sit back and process it or just deep breathe for a while or at least get grounded again um, in that sense. So I would say, look at your schedule. Let's even begin to look at your schedule. Can you schedule little five minute breaks, five, 10 minute breaks? Um, if it's not possible between every session, then it, after every two sessions, a couple of breaks in between there where you can really just sit back, close your eyes, and this can even take less than five minutes, just deep breathe or just kind of visualize somewhere else or get grounded. Put your feet on the ground, just breathe, or if you're able to walk out of your office, get some fresh air, go get a drink of water, um, go take a potty break, anything to kind of just break that, that momentum and then coming back into your next session. So it can be as simple as that. It can also be uh, a ritual maybe in the morning or in the evening, depending on your schedule, really spending some time to journaling. If you like to write, writing that down, gratitude is a big piece as well too. Because see, this is a thing with, I think with compassion fatigue is, it's really about bringing joy back into your life, bringing it back into your career, into the work that you were called to do and, and into your personal life. So I would say find something that brings you joy, 
that truly brings you happiness. And it doesn't have to be something so big and elaborate or expensive. Typically, it's these daily things um, that you can do to continue to, to, again, fill up that tank. And I love how you brought up about nutrition, the nutrition and fitness. That is a huge, huge piece because I see self-care as, you know, as I mentioned, your physical health, it's your emotional health, it's your spiritual health as well too, um, and your mental health, looking at it from all that holistic way. So with the physical piece, it's getting some exercise, walking. You know, I also say during your lunch break, you know, eat away from your laptop, from your computer. I was so guilty of that. Throughout my years, when I look back, I always ate by my laptop, trying to get through a multitask. And it's like, if you can just step, step away from your laptop, look the other way, just enjoy your lunch, put on your headphones, hear some music on your phone or Spotify or something like that, or to just kind of to distract yourself, not think about work. Or if you're able to take a walk outside during your lunch break, just breaking those, those transitions make a huge difference. So going back to kind of the, the fitness and nutrition piece, I'm a big advocate and I work with my clients about sleeping. Sleeping is so, so important. It's trying to get at least a minimum of seven hours of sleep, um, you know, on a, every night. And that sometimes is a big challenge for, for most of us. Drinking water, you know, staying dehydrated, um, helping with that, getting that physical movement. I mean, we all know, I mean, that there, there's a lot of scientific research out there that shows the physical movement, exercising, how that really helps to improve your mood and doing that. So finding these little things that you can practice um, through daily and throughout the week is it's so important and the consistency of, of doing that. I love how you basically encompassed every single piece, like a, a true holistic view of self-care, yeah. which I think is something that we don't talk about enough. Yes. I'm really curious because I actually know a few people that are psychotherapists or psychiatrists, and it always amazes me how they deal with the stories and like the history that their their patients have. So, you know, while I'm not a psychotherapist or anything, I'm sure that other people just as myself, have had to be there for others when they're going through really difficult times. And it's hard to pull yourself out of that drama, um, if we want to call it that, and, and try to find that peace again within yourself. Is, what would be your tips for trying to do that if you're not, like, not necessarily a psychotherapist, but someone that is trying to empathize and be a compassionate listener to someone that's going through a difficult time? Yeah, yeah, great question. And you know, really boils down, I would say, is setting some healthy boundaries for yourself. You know, whether, whether you are a therapist or healthy professional or not, I think just as human beings, us learning to set those healthy boundaries for ourselves. You know, we want to be there, that good friend. We want to let's help our family members or help a friend or, you know, help a coworker um, in it. But I think it's you knowing your limits and knowing like, I can be here, I can be your friend, I can listen, but maybe five, 10 minutes is the max for you. And then you need to cut it off. And it's, it's just setting those, those boundaries with these people around you, with your family, with your friends. Um, you know, it's, it's not always easy, I know in the beginning, but you getting clear as to what is it that you need. 
you know, are you, are you finding yourself, you're getting sucked in into other people's drama, you know, uh, on a daily basis, or you have a friend that calls you on a daily basis to vent, which I get it. You want to be a good friend and you want to listen and you still can, but looking at um, how much can you handle and, uh, you know, and, and setting that boundary with them. And just talking to them, say, you know, I'm here. I want to help and support you. You know, I can do this or I can just, you know, 10 minutes and then I got to go or I have to do something or, or being honest with them. Like this is as much as I, I can, I can take. And I would say this, you know, taking yourself like um, that whole being for others and compassion and, and so forth is, this is why I would say this, your, your spiritual health as well is so important is doing things that is going to feed that, that's going to feed your soul, that's going to feed your heart. Um, you know, it's the core of who we are as human beings. Um, so we can be able to help others. And, and I do this a lot with, you know, you know, people that take care of their elderly parents, you know, they taking care of them, they have their own family and working and being split and feeling torn and just like they give, 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 and they're not receiving or giving to themselves back. So it's stepping back and, and doing that. So it's the same thing, setting some boundaries where you can, the boundaries and doing things that bring you joy, that truly bring you joy to yourself, whatever that might be, and practicing that as much as you can, if not daily, weekly, to, to again, to continue to fill your tank up. Mm. And it's such a common thing that we talk about uh, with our clients, because some of our clients are coaches or they're influencers, mm -hmm. or a lot of them are business owners, right? Mm -hmm. And they lead these teams. And we always tell them, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. And just like an empty tank, you can't go any much further than what is in your tank. So, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, I, so I, I love that concept. And I appreciate you breaking that down. So what is your self-care movement? all about like what is that i would love to hear more about that because i know that kind of leads into what the forward thinking is for you and what the future plans are for you and yes me. yes yes definitely so i call it my self-care movement and and you know it's it's really looking at um for me it's a it's it's a lifestyle it's it's a way of living and that's really where i want to help others shift their mindset and thinking about self-care that self-care is not something we just go and do when we're really tapped out or waiting until we're tapped out or doing it like a reactive doing it reactively versus proactively and it's about it it really boils down to making a conscious decision to to care for yourself no matter what, whether it's in your professional life, in your personal life, it doesn't matter. It's taking care of you in your life where you're at. And so for me, that's what it is. And teaching them to change that mindset is the first piece, you know, because there's, there's this thing that, you know, it's so common about, among helping profession, among many people is that self-care is selfish like who has time you know i feel bad spending so much money to take care of myself or spending so much time to take care of myself so it's first even addressing that what are your beliefs about self-care where is this coming from and then shifting that into thinking like no it's 
I'm important. If I still want to continue to be here for my career, for my clients, or for my family, for my, for my partner, for my children, um, for my community, for whoever that might be, it's like, I have to take care of myself first. If I can, if like, like you mentioned, Angela, if I, if you know, how can I give to others what I don't have and give? So it's really shifting that mindset and really changing that lifestyle, making these lifestyle changes and breaking down those lifestyle changes. Again, like that holistic approach, the physical health, what are things that I need to do physically to keep myself, you know, exercise, is it sleep, is it drinking water, is it my eating habits, um, simply as just having breakfast, you know, not just coffee, um, little simple things that you can start changing that way, your spiritual health, you know, and I say, and I really, really emphasize a lot in spiritual health, because I think something that happened to me, and took me a while to really realize this afterwards, you know, when I went with compassion fatigue, it's like, I, and I worked with a very um, severe population here um, in Los Angeles County in California and in my career in, in mental health. And after so many years of hearing so much abuse, that the abuse that children went through, um, you know, suicidal attempts, of, of, you know, um, trauma and here are this, all this negative stuff and all these things that people do to others, you start losing sometimes faith in humanity and you start thinking or you become like jaded as to what's happening. And, you know, and that's what I mean. It's needing to kind of feed our soul and our heart again. Like we can't lose that. I got to stay positive and think of, of that view and how can I continue to take care of myself and not allow like, you know, all this um, negativity that sometimes I hear or these, you know, mean things or, you know, that I see that other people's do to, to others. So that's spiritual, that, that can look different for everyone, you know, and it's not always religion based. It's just your spirituality. What's going to feed your soul. That's what my big thing is like bringing joy back into your life, doing those things that are going to make you happy. And then there is like the emotional piece of it and, and the mental health and taking care of that. So for me, that's the whole self-care, that whole lifestyle change, looking at these different areas of your life and seeing what are things that you can start practicing and starting with a few things at a time, you know, to not overwhelm yourself, change one thing in each of those and work on creating that habit. We know that Create a new habit takes time. It takes time. So don't try to change everything all, all at once because then you, we get overwhelmed and we don't do it or we say, oh, this ain't working. No. And, and another thing about that, you know, compassion fatigue or burnout doesn't just pop up overnight. It, it's, it has been a gradual process and it's been a while that, you know, that it's been building up in you. So the same thing is going to happen that it's going to take a while for you to completely feel 100% like yourself again in all aspects of your area. So that's where the self-compassion, the self-love, the patience comes in mind. You know, taking, doing little things of time and just being proactive about that. You know, it's, it's funny, like this is the topic that we're talking about because I'll admit um, I've been going through like my own kind of struggle as of recently and it was 
crazy because just a few weekends ago, I went to the Arate event and it was a lot of great, you know, insight and motivation. And it was like, yeah, I feel great. And then I come back home and then it just kind of downhill from there. Like I was, I was actually struggling for a while and I, I was trying to figure it out. Like what, what happened, right? Like where in my life did I not find that balance or blend, right? Mm -hmm. Where, where, where am I lacking? And uh, last night, you know, every Monday we have a coaching call with the modern fitness coaches and, you know, I kind of opened up to the team and I realized that I just, I haven't been spending time with the people who I really care about, you know, know, and, and I was very just, okay, I leave a business conference, I go back into business and it was just straight back into straight back into the grind where, you know, I just straight back into work and kind of going back into that routine without really paying attention to, you know, spending time with my nephew, spending time with, you know, my wife and just having that quality time and having that life outside of business because that's where I messed up the first time when, you know, um, as when I was a police officer, right. It was all about that. It was all about law enforcement. Everything revolved around that. And, you know, when that got taken away from me, it messed me up. So as much as I tell myself like, Oh, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Sometimes we're just so up close to what we do that we don't see the bigger picture. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I really appreciate you touching on that because I know that a lot of people listening, that a lot of people that listen to our podcast are entrepreneurs mm-hmm. or they're in, you know, the people business, whether in fitness or, you know, whatever kind of coaching, they need to understand how important it is that they take care of themselves first okay. because you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Right. So what would be, and we could go on and on in this conversation. <laughs> it is so much fun. I'm just looking at the time, like, yeah. um, but what would be your number one tip for that coach who says, I don't have time. I have too many. I have a lot of clients or, you know, they're not prioritizing themselves because they're focused on more giving mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. this point. They may be listening, right? I'm just kind of imagining. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That sounds great. But, but you don't, you don't know my situation, man. You don't know. I have like a hundred, 200 clients and I got like, five kids and you know what I mean? Like they've had every excuse not to give themselves that grace. What would you tell that person? My first thing I would ask them is I'm sure if I challenge you, you can have five minutes. We can find five minutes, find five minutes in your schedule to do something. Wake up five minutes, be earlier. And, and it can start with something so simple. Sometimes people think like, well, what's five minutes going to do, Nancy? Like, really? But it's what you do in those five minutes. You know, it's, that's the important thing. It's not about the, the quantity. It's about the quality of what you do in that time. So it's finding five minutes. Wake up five minutes earlier. You know, instead of hitting that snooze button, because I'm a snooze button I love that, you know, instead of hitting that, waking up or, or five minutes before going to bed or whatever that may be in your schedule. I bet that if you look at your schedule, you can find five minutes in there and during those five minutes, doing what works for you. It can be simple as practicing gratitude. Gratitude is a thing, things that sometimes we, we say, oh, yeah, well, I'm thankful for things, and yes, I can do that. Yeah, okay, but truly practicing, there's actually been scientific um, 
prove research that how gratitude really um, impacts our brain the way we think if we're in there thinking about all the good stuff being grateful for the things that we have and i'm not just talking about gratitude like yes i'm thankful for my home i'm thankful for my family i'm talking about the little tiny things that you have on a daily basis and into the habit of just writing three to five things about what you're grateful for that day and just you know that even that alone lifts up your mood a little bit to start your day off even before you put your first foot on the ground when you get out of bed sometimes what i do is like i literally just lay there and i'm like okay what am i thankful for thankful for just waking up today i'm thankful for you know today i'm going to be able to go pick up my niece after school you know i i put that in in my in my schedule to spend some time with her like these little tiny things and when you start your day on a positive note and a thankful note a gratitude note when you're doing it day after day bet you do it for 60 days and you're going to notice the difference it can be something as tiny as that or if gratitude or writing things is not your thing um even getting up and stretching your body for five minutes just do some stretches do some stretches. You can look up some of, you know, in YouTube or anywhere, just some stretches, stretch your arms, stretch your things, you know, just get up doing that. Breathe, let that oxygen flow throughout your body in there. But again, it's that creating that habit, doing it for at least a good 60 days in a row, you're going to feel the, the, the difference. It's not gonna happen in one day or two days. And I think that's what happens. People think, well, what's five minutes gonna do? Or what's one or two days are gonna do? I'm not feeling better. No, it takes a while. It's, it's creating that habit, that lifestyle change. So something as simple as that. Another thing, you know, I know you said one tip, but something I, I wanted to say too is, um, I'm a big advocate, I would say tell people like, schedule ahead of time in your calendar a self-care thing. Whatever you wanna call it, an activity, whatever that might be, it doesn't matter how long it is, and just make it non-negotiable, that's it. I, I actually do that with my planning and my schedule on a weekly basis. When I'm planning it on Sunday, I look at my thing, I plan one thing in there, like, okay, I'm gonna meet up with coffee with a friend here this day, or I'm gonna do something simple here myself. I myself just go go to um, get a coffee or take a walk around the block, whatever the case might be. I put it in my calendar and it's non-negotiable. And I really had to work on that. Nothing is going to, you know, if I have another meeting or have a team member that says, oh, can we meet that I honor and I respect that time that I already put in my calendar. Now it takes work, it's hard to do at first, but again, it's shifting that mindset that it's a lifestyle change. Very similar to, you know, when people want to lose weight or their fitness and stuff. It's you're creating these new habits. Um, you're, you're changing your lifestyle. So again, something as, as simple as that can really make a huge change in, in your mood, in your health on, on a daily basis. That's awesome. I love all of those tips. And something that I realized was, these tips are not just applicable to therapists or coaches, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. They're literally applicable to everybody. everybody. And I kind of liken it to um, like when I was a new mother, I think a lot of the time we have these like societal expectations where mm -hmm. you're a new mother and you have to be able to do all the things for everybody, including the baby and have a clean house and look amazing. Like you never had a baby before. Yeah. And 
stress can really get to a person. Yes. And I remember like going to a baby shower after I had already become a mother. I went to a baby shower for a friend of mine that was becoming a mother for the first time. And they had one of those things where you write down little pieces of advice to the uh -huh. new and what I wrote down, and I think everybody thought I was crazy for writing this down, was you have to spend time on yourself as well. Because mm -hmm. I had to learn that the hard way. I had to realize that I was giving so much to my baby. I was obviously fatigued because newborn. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and so that was my advice to her. You, you have to recharge your own batteries. You have to do things that fill your cup up so that you yeah. can continue to give to your family. So I think more people should be joining the self-care movement and thinking about it in a holistic way. And I'm actually really curious if we notice people, especially especially this time of year, which is, can be really stressful. Mm -hmm. It's the holiday season. Everyone's got a lot of pressure on themselves. And we notice that you know a loved one, a friend, a family member is struggling and maybe they haven't implemented some kind of self-care into their routine how can we encourage them to start something yeah that's a good good one so encouraging a family member right to to do something um you know what i've really have found is um even for personal experience is and I remember I'm actually thinking about a friend, a specific friend um, that was really overwhelmed, burned out. She's she's not in the in the helping profession or anything, but really burned out. She would call me every day and just kind of venting and how things were going. So thankfully she she lived close by. But I started by um inviting her to just kind of enjoy me for a walk. Um here about and I did it more as to like um Oh, come, you know, let's, let's catch up together. It wasn't about her. Like I wanted her to experience it because sometimes if we tell them, oh, this is what you need to do, the more resistance or defensive they, they get, uh, or I don't have time, the whole excuses start popping up, I don't have time, blah, 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 this and that. But I invited her more as to like, oh, let's go, you know, I want to start walking, you know, we can catch up, blah, 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 you know, get her to come with me. We actually did it for a couple of times when I finally told her why I did it was for her to experience it. And she was, she was like, oh my God, but she was happy at, at the end, like you tricky, but it's like, I had you to experience it for you to feel it how it feels and the importance of it. Now, I loved our time we spent together, we caught up, so it was a win-win situation. But I guess finding some way to, can, is there something that you can do with them? So that also falls under self-care. You know, maybe it's if, if you have a mom that's so busy with her children at home, um, they're overwhelmed there. How about just um, planning a coffee date? Even if it's 30 minutes at a local coffee shop or something, having her just come and meet you somewhere. Um, you know, it's like you get to kind of connect and catch up, but then she also gets to share, you know, gets to leave the home environment or leave the office and take a break or something like that. So something that you can move them out of that environment um, that they can do or do together, I find that is um it's helpful because I've done it that I'll share with others and I say, Oh, these are things that you can do. Boop, 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 boop. They don't do it. <laughs> Most of them, they have every intention, but you know, this gets in the way. I had to do this, this had to do that. So what I found this like when I do it with them has been very helpful. 
I love that. That's such great advice, especially I completely agree with you around if you tell someone to do something, they'll probably not do it. So you have to kind of like take them into the. Oh, that was good. I was like, oh, what's happening? That's okay. <laughs> the lovely thing you can edit. What's <laughs> yeah. so reminding me that the movie's done and. Uh... <laughs> um. Nancy, you know what? This has been such a great episode. There's so many golden nuggets here. I mean, uh, for us coaches and everyone who who's, who's in the people business, right? That's I mean, that's kind of like the the best way to put it. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur leading a team, if you are a fitness or a, a personal trainer training a client, you are in the people business. And I, I love how much info you shared regarding self-care and you know, compassion fatigue. So how can people connect with you? How can they continue getting more of your content? Because I'm sure that after this episode airs, there's going to be a lot of people reaching out like, what, what is this self-care movement? How can I join? How can I partake? So yeah. how do people get a hold of you? Where can they find Perfect. You? Yes, yes, yes. So right now, currently, my, well, my website is, um, right now, my team is working on it, updating it, but there is a page or there, so I'll give the website. Um, there is some some free stuff that I have there that people can look in, in more resources. It's nancygallegoscoaching.com. Um, so N-A-N-C-Y-G-A-L-L-E-G-O-S, coaching. C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. It's a little lengthy <laughs> in there. So that's my website, but you can also find me um, in social media and Instagram. I'm under also Nancy Gallegos Coaching. Um, and in Facebook, my business page is just Nancy Gallegos um, in there, but I'll, I'll be sharing their resources. I'm actually going to be launching some weekly kind of audio trainings and different topics um, for my community and doing that and um, like a, also a community. Cause I think part two with um, combating compassion fatigue, burnout is there, there's a lot of shame and guilt around that and, and anyone. And I love it. I love how Angela, you said it. It's not just the professionals, it's anyone that, that cares for someone else or in, in it. And sometimes feeling that guilt to wanting to take care of themselves. And I think community is a big piece of that. So that's something that I have some new stuff that are gonna be coming out soon um, to really just provide people the tools to be able to navigate to the holidays and be able to navigate through their, their career and really be able to do what they love, you know, whilst taking care of themselves. Awesome. Is that, uh, is that group already live on Facebook or? Uh, no, it's coming, it's coming soon. So I'm going to be notifying, um, there'll be, um, so the best way to get into that is in my Facebook business page. I'm going to be making all those announcements really soon. Awesome. Awesome. And speaking of community, that is what we talk about all the time. Yeah. Best effort community or the team effort, I should say team effort Facebook group. Now I would love to invite you to go in there and just share you know, part of your self-care movement and, and if possible, some of the resources that you are going to be offering um, to your group as well. I would love to invite you in there and just connect with our, our folks in, in our group too. 
Of course, yes. That would be that would be honored to do that. Definitely. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Nancy. I appreciate you. This was such a great podcast, and I'm excited for the people listening to start implementing your tips as soon as possible. Great. Thank you so much for having me here. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. I'm not going to do that.